I'm Izzy, and my guest today is super, super dope. I am so, so, so honored to have her on. She is, honestly, uh, after I started looking into everything she does and has touched and everything like that, she's honestly a walking legend in my eyes. So <laughs> I'm super, super excited to have on. Uh, Andrea, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to chat. I said legend. So anybody that jumps on and is listening to this, they're going to be like, all right, that's a lot to live up to. So what does he mean or anything like that? So do you want to get into like who you are and what you do? Do you want to get into that a little bit? Sure. Okay. I I mean, I don't know if I see myself as legend, but this is good like goals, right? Maybe. Um, but I am a visual artist and that can mean a lot of things. But my primary focus over the last few years in particular has been in the illustration space. So drawing things for different brands, being um, an illustrator for book projects, things of that nature. Before you get too into like everything you've touched, um, which is the legendary part for me. So I won't fangirl too hard right now. Uh, so from a like education background and everything like that, was this like illustration was being a visual artist, something that you knew from a young age you wanted to do or did it come over time? Yeah, so the arts, all things creative is something I've always had an interest in. I remember when I was in high school wanting to be like an interior designer. I was obsessed with all things um, renovation. I think that was really popular back in the early 2000s, those extreme makeover shows. And I asked my parents, I'm like, can I go to art school? I think there's like something really captivating about, you know, education in the art space. My parents were kind of just like, hmm maybe not like the, the safest or, or most stable career. Why don't you pick something else? And I was like, okay, I, the logical side of me got it. Also, I think it's part mm -hmm. of just being like a first gen kid that you don't want to disappoint and you understand the sacrifices that they made. So you're like, okay, okay, I will, I will do better. Um, so I actually ended up going into marketing because I thought it was a good combination of business and creative. And I'm like, well, I can still have a creative outlet here. Um, and ended up studying that at the University of Illinois at U of I. You mentioned something earlier about you almost having, I felt, I feel like for a lot of us, it's like almost internalized built up pressure as a first gen of, all right, let me go back to the drawing board and do better. You mentioned doing better. So was that pressure definitely coming from within or was that pressure coming from I guess from a family circumstances type of thing where it's like uh oh, maybe maybe they're right maybe maybe the the arts isn't the right thing or was that pressure coming from within I think it's probably 60 40 as I reflect on it and mostly me where like my parents yeah. were like no and I was like okay you're right I'm gonna be a good kid and a good student no I'm not gonna choose that but that little like voice inside my head was like find something creative, like still kind of pursue that. And I thought I was playing kind of like a quick one over on my parents when I decided to go into the more marketing advertising space. Cause I'm like, oh, mm -hmm. there's still creative classes here. It's a way to like be able to express myself. But it, at the end of the day, it was just, it was more business focused. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of that was internalized pressure that I had absorbed via the world around me, via the media, via everything where it's like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And I think back then, like the internet wasn't what it was. I didn't really know what options I had out there. I just kind of knew what my parents did, what my parents' friends did, and what I saw in the world around me. So very kind of traditional doctor, lawyer, lawyer, working class jobs, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm like, I don't fit in here. But I, it hadn't even dawned on me that you could, you know, 
be a producer or be a musician, like all these things hadn't kind of surfaced and didn't seem accessible. So I chose the most exciting of the things that did feel accessible to me. So two things based off that. The first thing, how did you work through that as your career went through? Like that mentality of that 60-40, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I I think that little voice that was like, this isn't for you, just kept getting louder. Um, So at Mm. first I attributed, so I I started off my career at a big agency, BBDO, working kind of on, on ads and stuff. And pretty early on, I was like, I don't like this. Like six months in, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, the novelty has worn off. What now? But at the time I was like, okay, the little voice is like, you're not happy. You're not happy. But I'm like, maybe it's just the company. Maybe it's just the clients that I'm working on. So I switched to a different agency and worked on like different, more like young, exciting, like clients um, and brands. And then a couple months went by, a year went by. And again, that little voice is like, Mm-mm, this isn't, this, you're not meant to be doing this. This isn't what you like doing. And kind of same thing. I was like, well, maybe I'm supposed to be in a different city. So I moved and worked for a different company um, in a different city, kind of doing similar things, like always within like the marketing advertising realm, but like bopping around. So from experiential right. to PR to more traditional. Um, and then finally, almost 10 years into my career. So this is 2020. I kind of decided, you know what, enough is enough. Like the voice had gotten so intense where it's like, you're not happy no matter what company you work at and what type of project you're touching that like something's got to give, like it's time, it's time to bow gracefully. Um, And for the past few years up until that point, I had kind of put all of my creative energy into photography and production. I started doing that on the side when I moved to California, it was a really good way to kind of express myself creatively outside of my nine to five. So at the time I thought, okay, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing next. Like I'm going to set the wheels in motion, January, 2020, finally muster up the courage to be like, no, I am going to release myself from this very kind of stable career trajectory, but also like unsatisfactory, at least for me at the time, career trajectory and just take a break and kind of recalibrate and completely pivot into something else. Obviously 2020 was a very tumultuous year. I could not have known everything that was going to happen, um, but I'm on the other side of it now and, and things are trending in the right direction. One of those things that, especially us coming from those traditional backgrounds that you mentioned earlier, it's it, it's stories like that that we don't hear that that often. Like, it, honestly, we probably hear the the other side of it is like, hey, I worked at this job for 40 years and I hated it every single day. Yeah. And the best day of my life was when I retired. Yeah. And I think I started seeing that a lot in like my friends' parents and in like other like people that just saying like, oh, I'm so happy at 60. I was like, "Mm, there's got to be a better, better path. But even for me, like I was too afraid to do it one year into working, two years into working, three years into working. I felt like I had to have enough of a safety net because that narrative that, you know, you're going to be a starving artist, you're going to fail was so ingrained in me that I worked a full-time job for 10 years before I was like, okay, I think I have enough savings now. I think I have enough like knowledge to just transition or jump, you know, off of this cliff. And maybe like, you know, everything happens for a reason that was the right time. But part of me is like, oh, you should have done this years ago, like truly years ago. Who knows where you'd be now? But right. everything happens for a reason. So when it came time for you to just jump, was there like a wake-up call? Like, oh, maybe I don't have enough knowledge or anything like that? Or was it truly like, I'm going to educate myself through everything? It was definitely like learning how to fly the plane, navigating the plane and building the plane as I went. 
But mm-hmm. initially, since my idea was to transition into photography full time, I had built a, a lot of relationship and contacts in that space over the last four or five years because I had been doing it on the side. So when I kind of set the wheels in motion back in January 2020 to jump ship and, and do it full time, I had projects kind of lined up throughout the summer. There were small freelance gigs that I was like, okay, this wheel is start, going to start to roll. I'll meet different people on set. And things will kind of just go from there. I felt really confident about that because I understood the industry. I had been tangentially and peripherally kind of in it for a while. Um, What I was not expecting was the pandemic to hit in March 2020. And with that, all of California shutting down. And with that, all production more or less shutting down, unless you were like the Beyonce's of the world that had, um, you know, COVID specialists and everything on site. So I was kind of just left like, well, what now? And this is where I really kind of felt like a fish out of water because I was looking forward at the future and I'm like, I don't know when photography will be allowed again. Truly, I have no idea. And I was looking back at the past at marketing, understanding that like, I don't want to do that full time. And also a lot of my peers are being let go right now because um, the Olympics aren't happening or like sporting events aren't happening. So that industry was super tumultuous. And that's when I started drawing again and really kind of reconnecting with my drawing, not to do that full time. It was truly meant to be an exercise of like, all right, now I have all of this time on my hands. I am basically unemployed during a pandemic when we're staying at home. What can I do to make myself happy? And and drawing was one of the things that resurfaced and really kind of helped me out from an art therapy standpoint. So now like two years into making that my full-time career, kind of by happenstance, I feel like there have been points where I'm like, I truly have no idea what I'm doing because I wasn't prepped for this industry at all. I wasn't, I wasn't prepped to work in, in um, publishing. I had no idea what licensing, what that looked like. And it's been a lot of trial and error and just trying to absorb as much information as I can while simultaneously, like still making sure that this is fun for me because this was a hobby turned profession. And while I'm loving it, I I still want to preserve that that joy and that thing that makes it special so talk me through that that change from hobby to profession in in your life in like okay photography's shutting down everything's going on i'm gonna get back into drawing and then all of a sudden you're sitting across the table with somebody that represents jimmy fallon like talk me through in between there yeah so i started what was my like sad little artist residency, March, 2020, I'm like, we're locked down. Okay. I need to do something for myself so I don't go insane because I have all this time and there's only so much like Tiger King and Netflix shows you can watch, you know? So (laughs) every day I made a different like creative activity for myself. Like think like summer camp for kids, but like I was a camp counselor and I was a child. (laughs) And in one of those, one of those days was just like a drawing day. Like so for contacts in high school like and growing up, I drew all the time. My notebooks were just lined with doodles. My teachers would just be like, what are you doing? Like, here's the math problem. Focus on that. And I'm like, eh, I'm going to like draw my day out instead. Um, so kind of making that one of one of the exercises, I was like, wow, I really enjoy this. I'm having a lot of fun with this. And I quickly realized it was a good form of art therapy and a way to express myself um, and my emotions about what I was feeling at the time. And I was feeling a lot because I was isolated by myself. Mm -hmm. The world was seemingly on fire. Um, And I started to just share stuff online because I thought it was funny. I thought it was fun. 
And also I just wanted like human connection again, even if it was virtual. Um, Mm -hmm. And a few months after doing that, people started to take notice. First, my friends followed, then like friends of friends, then random strangers. And I started to build a little bit of an online community on my Instagram account, which is Drea's Doodles. And the first time I realized like, oh, I might have something special here is when um, some folks over at Athleta, which is um, a like women's focused fitness brand reached out and were like, hey, we really like what you're doing. Will you do a, a store like window display for some of our California stores? And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds incredible. <laughs> the little voice in my back of my head was like, you don't know how to do that. But I was like, I'll figure it out. Um, and I did. And I figured it out. And I think that was like the first real sign where I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. Someone just found me online, liked what I was doing and wanted me to do more of that. Um, so I kind of decided at that point, like, maybe I should take this more seriously. Let me make a website. Let me um, set up an email, all of that stuff that, that you would uh, like would do when you're starting a business uh, that I had right. already done for photography. So I had that knowledge where I was like, okay, I know, I know how to do this. Let's see kind of where it goes. And it kind of continued like that for a few months, like little projects trickling in, but just enough for me to be like, okay, like I hear universe, bread come, I'm going to keep going. Right. Um, and then it was March, 2021, when I get an email out of the blue from a art director that just says like, Hey, I really like your style. A client of mine really likes your style. It's a celebrity client. Would you be interested in talking about doing a children's book with us? And I get this email and my first thought is just, this is a scam. This is fake. Like, right. I don't, yeah. what? Yeah. Cause like, I know. Yeah. So I immediately like jump online. I'm like, who is this person? I, I Google them. I go on LinkedIn. I'm like, okay. They're a real person at a very real publishing house. I'm like, okay, let's see what this says. And then the little voice in my head, again, is like thinking like, oh, it's probably like a D-list celebrity, like some former reality TV (laughs) star that wants to make a book or something. But like, hey, what do you have to lose? You should just like say yes to this person and see where it goes. So I responded and then they kind of just reached back out and were like, great. The folks that are interested in collaborating with you are Jimmy Fallon and Jennifer Lopez. And when I tell you that I just like looked at that email for 10 minutes without blinking, like I did, because I just kept reading the names over and over again and just kind of being <laughs> in shock, especially, especially because of, of Jennifer Lopez. So like growing right. up, like she was my Selena, like she was everything. Right. So the fact that there is a, a reality, a scenario in which I'm like, oh my God, I get to collaborate with her on something. I was just stunned. Like truly stunned and uh, yeah that that's how that project kind of kicked off gosh there's so many things to unpack there but like just you just almost becoming more vulnerable i just read a book uh called dare to lead and um they talk a lot about vulnerability in there and just like you putting yourself out there and in a sense like in those situations that you put yourself in like you were okay with quote unquote failing or getting that negative reaction to what you're posting on social media, but you doing that ultimately landed you a, a, a book with Jimmy Fallon and JLo. Like that's unheard of. And for creatives specifically, that's like something that that's why I was so excited that I wanted to share your story because we have to be able and comfortable with putting ourselves out there 
to absolutely be able to find these different things and find these opportunities more than anything, let them find us hopefully. Um, and everything like that as well. So that's, that's really, really dope. Yeah. I think what you just said is like really true. And it's something that I've reflected on a lot where I'm like, if I were to go back in time and intentionally try to do this, I would have been afraid of, of, of failing, afraid of embarrassing myself, embarrassing myself, afraid of people not liking what I was doing. But because this, this was coming from a pure like place of, of fun, a pure place of joy, and not thinking that it was work, yeah, some of the first things I shared online were like truly stick figures, just like, whatever, this is how I feel out there, right? But I think that allowed right. me to get past my own like perfectionism and my own, like you said, fear of failing. Boom. And that yep. like that was the biggest blessing because if I were to try to create recreate this right now, I, I don't think I'd be able to. I don't think I'd be able to do that. And I think that really speaks to like the fact that as far as like visual artists and I think folks particularly in the illustration space, like people are attracted to your joy. People like are attracted to mm -hmm. to what makes you happy. And you can really see that in, in some people's work. Um, and I think that's kind of how I ended up where I did. You stare at this email for 10 minutes. I'm guessing the next call was to your parents or. Yeah. So <laughs> I ran downstairs and I like showed it to my partner and he like read yeah. the email like three times too. And like, you could tell like he was not computing, like how, how is this happening? It's awesome. And then I did, I immediately called my mom. I was like, mama, guess what? And she's like, get, and I was like, Jimmy Fallon and Jennifer Lopez want to work with me on a book. And she's like, Yimmy Fallon, Jennifer. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. so she was so excited. She's like, oh my God, let JLo and everything. And at first, the only people I told were my partner because we lived together and he was going right. to find out at some point and my mom and dad because they're my mom and dad. And I think it was a really kind of special moment to share <sighs> the fact that this is, is coming into fruition with them just because of all of the conversations we had had in the past about like me wanting to do something creative, me wanting to go into the arts and this was like a weird kind of like validation of like, you have it. Oh, it absolutely. might not be like a hundred percent, but like you can do this, you know? Um, so that's been, that's been really exciting and, and special. You've now gotten to work with both of those names. Like tell me what you can, at least tell me what your experience has been like uh, working with such big names, especially from, I mean, gosh, two years ago, this was still a hobby, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think being able to collaborate with them on a bilingual children's book first off, it has just been like so incredibly special because one, you have two big names that are really kind of putting out there that like being bilingual is okay. That speaking Spanish and English is okay. And I think that's so huge because like growing up, I certainly didn't feel that way. And I know that's been the experience of a lot of kids who are bilingual or multilingual, especially with the Spanish language, there's a weird thing in the US where you're almost kind of looked down on if you speak Spanish in public, when in reality, it's really awesome that you can speak multiple languages and that your brain can work in that way. So that alone was huge. I'm like, wow, the two of them are really kind of showing the world, the mainstream world that this is okay. And secondly, just being noticed by them was a, a huge kind of like, star for me where I was like, wow, okay. They're telling me that like my talent is what they're looking for, that it's at, at that level. Um, and just in the ways that like we interacted and the feedback that I would get from them, it was just really, 
it was really cool to see that that they were seeing my vision as much as I was seeing their vision. And there was a lot of kind of synergy mm. going on with the creation of the book and, and the illustrations that came about as a result of it. So, so yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was great. <laughs> so um, for anybody that is listening, waiting on the book, like tell us what you can of like, what is the book like, and when should we expect it? Everything like that. Yeah, so I can kind of just show you the front cover right now, but the book is Con Pollo. It's a bilingual playtime adventure that was co-written by Jimmy Fallon and Jennifer Lopez, and it comes out on October 11th. I'm really excited for this to be out officially in stores and for me to be able to like walk into a Target and just see my name next to theirs. I think that's I, you. People are going to see me crying at randomly at Targets and like Barnes and Nobles and local <laughs> bookstores. It's going to happen. I have like a two second like, but it's, it'll it'll be exciting. Uh, I'm mostly excited, honestly, to go with my mom and dad. Like, I yes. think that's going to be the coolest thing ever. My dad's like, "You're going to have to sign a copy for me." I'm like, "Wow, okay, I will." But like, <laughs> that's so weird. Um, so yeah, it comes out this fall. I'm super excited. I know they are too. Um, and we'll, you'll be hearing more about it in, in the weeks and months to come. So from a Latinx perspective, a creative profession, as, we, as we've touched about a few times, is really a tough thing to swallow uh, from just traditions and everything like that. So how do you recommend a young creative like navigate their careers? There's not a one size fits all for this. I, and I think that's a good, like just thing for life in general. But I think oftentimes we've been fed this narrative that life is more like a ladder where like you go to school, you go to school, you get married, you buy the house, you have kids, like very kind of traditional trajectory. But in my experience, and I think a lot of other creatives may relate to this, um, life is more of a jungle gym. Like you swing, you yes. fall, you go down the slide, you climb up, like it ebbs and flows. And I think that's especially too true for creatives, um, which is to say that there are so many ways that you can be a creative professional nowadays that maybe you don't need to go to art school. You know, maybe it's something that you can start doing on nights, weekends, on the side. That's the the journey I took. And it's allowed me now, yes, like 10 years later to pursue it full time. And I think for young folks, especially Latinx folks who are considering making this their full time, or this is their North Star, I would say just keep doing work that excites you keep working doing work that inspires you because that's the type of thing that that will get noticed by other people like, be yourself, don't try to copy someone else's style, voice, etc. Just because you, you think that's what works or what doesn't. I think authenticity goes a long way. And for better or worse, like we live in a world right now where we have like all of these social medias, all of these different ways to like stay connected with people. And I would say like a huge part of, of success in a lot of artists, and it has been a huge thing for me, is just like getting your story out there, um, making sure people are seeing your work, making sure you're talking about your work. A lot of artists don't like marketing themselves, but as a former marketer, that plays such a huge role. You can be the most talented photographer in the world, but if you don't tell anyone about it and if you don't show it, they're not going to find you. So use the Instagrams and the TikToks of the world to, to your advantage. Share your joy with the, girl, with the world, and I promise uh, the right people will, will see it and follow. 
anybody that listens to this wants to tune more into your journey, stay along for the entire ebbs and flows that may it may just approach <laughs> and everything like that, how can they find you? How can they tune into your work? Yeah, if anyone wants to keep in touch and kind of follow along, I would say follow me on Instagram at Drea's Doodles or on TikTok at Drea's Doodles. I haven't been super active there yet, but I'm slowly starting to muster up my own courage and take my own advice of showing up in that space. Um, but yeah, I if you have any questions or want to like chat, just DM me. My my DMs are open. I'm always happy to help other artists kind of navigate wherever they are in in their journey. What makes you strange on purpose? What makes me strange on purpose? Hmm. I think I've always been a little strange on purpose. Um, the type of person that kind of, you know, marches to the beat of their own drum. But I think the fact that I am willing to jump into situations without really seeing what the end goal is going to be or what the end result is makes me strange on purpose. Um, my parents like to tell a story that when I was, I don't know, four or five we were on vacation in Puerto Vallarta and the hotel was having a competition for kids to swim across the pool. And whoever got to the other side of the pool first would win, I don't know, like drinks and nachos or something for their family. Now, this is kind of bad parenting on my parents' part, but apparently, unbeknownst to them, I signed up for the competition and just jumped in and did it, not really knowing how to swim. So they were watching once I was doing it, just like, oh, God, I hope she doesn't drown. And if she does, like, we'll jump in. But I made it across and faster than any other kid. And I think that is just like so emblematic of sometimes how I, you know, go through situations where I'm like, I don't 100 percent know what I'm doing, but I know I can do it. So I'll just figure it out as I go, like doggy paddle my way over there if I have to. 